0: Welcome to another edition of Editing Aloud. My name is Sameza. Zake. Okay, with me in studio, I have uh, Lucanio, Genevieve, as well as Tissetso. Thank you all for joining me at the desk. So lawsuits, lawsuits, lawsuits is, seems to be what the order of the day is. Um, uh, of, the, of late, we have, uh, I think it's Lesecha suing, um, Lung, is it Lungisa? Lungisa. Um, and then also Hanukom. Just take us through what's happening on, on that front.
1: Um, so we had earlier this week news that um, former tourism minister Derek Hanekom was, was suing um, former president Jacob Zuma for comments he made on Twitter, um, called him a known en- um, enemy of the state, which Hanekom um, has said basically is calling him a spy. And this came, I think it was a week or so after the former president beat the state capture inquiry and made allegations of um, apartheid spies within the ANC working to get rid of them. So now, so Hanukom is now suing him for 500,000. Then yesterday, we got papers that the, um, showing that the Saab governor is now suing an ANC member from Nelson Mandela Bay, and Longisa, for also making comments on Twitter about him, disparaging comments, um, racial comments about him. Almost, he said, implying that he was a lackey of racist people within our society, and that's how he gets ahead without giving, without caring about the poor black. Mm. So again, asking for 500,000. 500, <laughs>
0: there seems to be a new amount that people are asking. Yeah,
1: so I think this comes after the Trevor Manuel EFF matter where the Trevor Manuel sued the EFF for defamation. Um, also based on comments they had made regarding the appointment of the SARS Commissioner, Edward Kieswetter mm-hmm. and Manuel's relationship with Kieswetter. And Manuel won that case. Um, and 500000 was awarded. At, at the time, it was one of the biggest awards in a defamation case. Um,
0: and so everyone seems to be going for
2: that For now the $500,000, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look,
1: the, the well, EFF is appealing the Trevor Manuel yeah,
2: yeah. method. Say, well, though. I suppose he was a finance minister, so maybe it's a good thing he sets some kind of benchmark, some, <laughs> some <laughs> monetary benchmark. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So, so your thoughts on, on, on these
2: um, I,
3: I think, I mean, particularly on the Zuma one, I, I think that it's, it's good to see um, so his allegations can be tested mm-hmm. and in court and that's what you want. I mean, you can't make claims like that and, 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 and think and without providing any evidence. So it's good that we, you know, if it goes ahead and there's no uh, out, of, you know, out of court settlement, then we'll be able to hear what evidence have you got for making this kind of claim.
1: Mm. And I think Zuma better hope that he has evidence because he keeps telling us and telling the courts that he doesn't have money to fund his legal costs. He's fighting a corruption case. If he loses this defamation case and he has to cough up, 500000 even less than 500000 even if it was 100000 that's a lot of money. Yeah. He's and going to
2: sell more socks. Well, <laughs> well <laughs>
1: yes, he's already told us he's had to sell clothing.
2: Yeah. Um, then, then I suppose you could assume there would be pressure on the others that is named or accused of being spies like Superior Nyanda and Wakurama uh, mm-hmm. Matlodi that they would possibly be under pressure for them to also come out and mm. say, because mm. people are probably going to be saying, oh, like, no, this guy has come in, he's protecting his name. Why are you not coming out and protecting your name? Mm. Is there, are you hiding something? Yeah. So mm. that's the thing yeah. when you throw mud at people. Yeah. Like, then it's like it sticks, no matter whether it's true or not. So it's good to actually have these things mm. tested yeah. in a court of law because you can't go in law, I mean, in a court of law in line, I and mean, that's perjury, that's like that's criminal offense. Mm. Yeah. So you actually have to go there and say, here's my evidence. And then if yeah. you, then, if you, then if you don't have it, then. It's actually
0: quite up. scary because it, in a sense it opens up the, the, the floodgates as it were because all of a sudden people have seen these um, issues being successful at Tesla in court and then you know, whatever's been set out there needs to be ventilated mm. in, in a court of law.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a point we made in our, in our editorial that that. I mean, like, social media is all and good for yeah. broadening the debate and giving voice to people who normally wouldn't have a voice, like kind of takes away the gatekeepers, i.e. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But then people have got to be act responsibly because they, they must seem to know that they are bound by the same rules as we are in publishing in newspapers.
1: Mm-hmm. I think people have the air of, um, they kind of feel there's a sense of, um, of anonymity when online Mm. that, you know, you can say what you want. And probably half the things people say online, they would never say to someone's face mm. or out in public. So I agree with Kanye, kind of it is a good thing. And maybe people just be a little more careful careful about what they say and because it's dangerous allegations, especially allegations of spies and that, you mm. know, it's, it's hurt families in the past. We have a history, a very sad history, and I think it's very dangerous to to be calling people apartheid spies especially yeah. if they're not yeah. well if they're not
2: exactly i mean if anybody who grew up in a township in the 80s would probably be up ahead of people so-called spies who were necklaced and all this kind of thing so yeah. like it's not a light accusation yeah. to throw at somebody you know yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. well let's move on We're saying with the theme of um of lawsuits um steinhof um we have a lead in the business day today i'm um, saying they they're turning their focus now to to, to lawsuits um to say so take us through through that story
3: Yeah, so I mean they've done quite a bit. Um, I mean this company back in 2017, I think a lot of people didn't think it was going to make it um, up to this point. But you know they they managed to. I mean they are inching closer to implementing a debt restructuring uh, plan. I mean which essentially means that you know they you know they've got a lifeline from um, uh, from creditors now. They have to deal with lawsuits um, from aggrieved shareholders and former business partners, and the biggest one um, is from Christopher, yeah. who was also a shareholder, and a, he wants 50, that, 59 billion. 59 billion. I mean, it's a lot of money. I mean, that money basically mm. what he wants. He wants his company back. I mean, if his company being um, uh, Pepco, which he sold to Steinoff, in exchange for a 20% stake in in, in Steinoff, and he didn't know at the time that this was worthless, and this company, you know, you know the financial health of this company was shaky. Uh, so he exchanged his shares, his company, which is doing well, is listed on the JSE, um, yeah. and you know. So what he wants, basically, he, he wants that company back. So the the the, the thing, the thing that Stanoff... Um, you know, of should be, you know, should should be you know, uh, doing at this point is try and and talk to these people that are suing it um, and come to some kind of a resolution. Because what it doesn't want is a long, drawn-out um, uh, court, you know, uh, court processes. Because they need to be focusing on turning around this company because creditors are sitting back and they gave them the benefit of the doubt that they can turn around the company.
2: So they need to get moving on sorting out um, that problems. But is there any sense that they could, they could survive any of this if they had to pay, for example, a thing with the visa's claim alone is worth like 10, 12 times its market cap. So there's not really any realistic prospect of... Yeah. Anybody yes, actually getting the full exactly. settlement, is
3: that? Yeah. yeah, no, there, there isn't, actually. I mean, because shareholders knows. I think Christoph also knows that if he pursues this aggressively without sitting down and talking uh, to um, uh, to Steinhoff uh, directors, I mean, he will end up with nothing. Um, because the people that are going to get something, that are likely to get something out of this, should it implode, are creditors. And shareholders will be last on the line. So he, he he knows, he knows that. But the interesting thing, though, that came out um, uh, during that uh, investor presentation in Cape Town was uh, CEO of um, Steinhoff saying that the, the one question that he get asked a lot is, when will Marcus Yoste be arrested? Mm. And it's probably, um, it's probably a, 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 it's a, it's
2: the right question, but it's probably directed at the wrong. Uh, Their own person. Yeah. yeah. I mean the NPA. I mean, they, I mean, as I suppose, like how how long has it been now? I mean, if I if I call a long honeymoon, I think people are probably getting impatient. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting anything. Nothing is happening. Mm-hmm or that, um, like, you know, Shamila Patoy should act like a politician rather than a prostitute. She should, she should be doing her job properly and, yeah. and can come out when she's ready. Yeah. So we don't want a repeat of those whole Estina things where yes, we, we, like, we, we rush and withdraw yes. a week yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like, just from the pers- perception <coughs> side of things, yeah. I mean, people are saying, okay, she's been around now since about February and yeah. we haven't seen anything, are we ever going to see anything? Because she makes good speeches and, yeah. see, mm. and she needs to be a bit more or less than a politician. But I think we
1: need to understand yeah. that it takes a lot of work to invest. I'm not making excuses for the NPN. and the NPM. MPA was decimated Mm. under the the, the Zuma years. Um, And if you think Shamila came in, one of the things she's doing besides the State Capture Commission, there are allegations coming out of that that need to be investigated. She is reviewing cases from the term before. Mm. So we had like the Johan Boysen case. The SARS rogue unit case, all those are being reviewed. The Jiba case, all those are still being reviewed. Mm-hmm. So I think a review also takes time you have to look at all the evidence, yeah, yeah. look at what's happening. Then they set up this... Invet- I think there's just too much. Yeah. And, and where do you start? And, and like lacanya said, you can't... You don't want to have a situation again like the in a dairy farm yeah. where we arrest people, go to court, keep losing on these appeals, and the next thing we have to withdraw the charges because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The NPA is just not ready for the case, yeah. but it just shows people aren't patient. And yeah. I've seen a lot of times when, like in the run-up to the election, when he was meeting um, different communities, that people were asking, "Why isn't anything happening? Why aren't people being arrested?" Mm-hmm. It just—it is a long process. It's—it's yeah. it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, also, and I is probably far at the bottom of the list. <laughs>
2: it's it's not to, probably, and he it's shouldn't yeah, be. He yeah. shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. But it's—it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: it's quite possible that yeah. he's. Because we're looking at taxpayers, are we going to go after those who decimated the state yeah. before going for those who the private, yeah. in the private? I don't yeah. know, I could be yeah. wrong. But
3: no, I was just going to say, I mean, particularly on this one, I mean, it's a, it's a high-level, you, know, um, you know, financial crime. Um, I'm not sure if, I mean, apart from the fact that the NPA is stretched, um, i'm not sure if we've got enough resources um, in the NPA to actually take on cases like this and e- even with the state capture it's also a high level financial mm-hmm. it 's a corruption it's a it's a financial crime do we have you know as nPA do we have um, the resources the capacity to take on cases like this i mean i i don't know um, but it it would be good to know because it'll be good to to get a sense of that uh,
2: Oh. maybe like the npa might hope that because stein itself is suing yoster right, for all the money that he made from doing that but remember, time yeah. NPA doesn't so,
1: investigate yeah. the hawks investigate oh, yes. yeah. so the hawks have to come to them and say we have a case yeah. the hawks did have an issue um mm. a few years ago i think a year or two ago there was a story about how they don't have the capacity they don't have those forensic investigators a lot of those people left the hawks to go more to the private sector mm. so that is a big problem And yeah. i'm sure they're still working on fixing that because yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Alright, uh, let's hit pause on that conversation for now Do join us for more after the break <music> Welcome back um, So Genevieve, I want to pick up on the story that broke a short while ago Where Mkwebane um, submitted the, the documents that she used, I believe mm-hmm. To go into the, the whole Bosasa matter Just walk us through um, what's led or why that had to, had to happen
1: Well, um, President Soroma Poza has decided to take her report on the Bosasa donation on judicial review. So part of that judicial review is um, ensuring that the um, the record, the, the information she used to come to her decision is given to the court. So the court can ascertain whether her decision was a correct one or not and how she got there. So obviously, this record will include these leaked emails that we've been hearing about yeah. the last few weeks um, of the funding for the president's campaign. The president has written to the court and has asked the court to seal some of those records because they are bank details, um, banking statements of certain individuals, which he feels shouldn't be made public. Um, the court hasn't dealt with that matter yet. So what happened now, the public protector today has given her record over to the judge president, but to the judge president's office. So usually when a record like this is given over to the court, it is a public document, it goes to the registrar, and any of us would be able to go down to the court and check out exactly what was used. Uh, But because the court is still to decide on whether to seal some of the records as the president has requested. Those documents aren't public yet, and are sitting with the judge president. So that's where mm. we
0: are at the moment with that. Mm. Is it a problem that he's, he's asking for some of these to be um, sealed? You think? Uh, I don't think it is a
3: problem because um, they. I mean, his lawyers have said that maybe some of those may have been those recommends. Those records may have been illegally obtained. Mm-hmm. So. If you've got that, um, if you've got that doubt, then you probably would want to protect your personal information uh, being, you know, being out in public, um, particularly if you think it's been uh, illegally uh, obtained. So the court has to rule as to whether this was um, obtained legally. Then I guess from that point on, then there is a chance that these records would be made public. Yes, absolutely. Um,
1: Also, Mm. yeah, whether it's, if if it has been obtained illegally, then there's a whole other case to answer for then. How did the public protector get hold of illegal records? Who gave these records to her? Would she be obliged to tell the court, okay, well, I didn't know that this was obtained illegally and Mm. -and so-and-so gave them to me.
2: And also, they were leaked to the press over the weekend. So, like, a question, if it was illegally obtained in the first place, and then if, I mean, I'm not saying her office leaked it, but if it did, then... That's a whole another issue about yeah. fairness and how is it, is yeah. this, this investigation has been conducted. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But she has come out though to say uh, just because she didn't go to APSA, which is one of the banks that came out to say uh, they it never got a subpoena from her. Um, so how you know? So the president's lawyers are saying, uh, are saying, um, if you did not get them from APSA, how <clears throat> did you get them? But there is another. Um, authority, uh, the, the the financial mm-hmm. services sector authority, I believe, um, she could have gotten them uh, those those records um, from from that authority because it keeps the records of all the banks. So she didn't necessarily need to go to APSA
0: if she could have gotten them elsewhere. Mm. Um, so possibly another yeah. um, case to answer. They depend mm, yeah. on which way on which way it goes. Um, Moving on, Friday um, will be seven years since uh, Marikana, and, and so far I suppose the the gripe with that situation is that nothing has has happened in well, these seven years. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, there's a lovely piece in the Financial Mail actually by Lisa Stain on this called Unfinished Business. Um, still families of those workers who were killed still looking for answers. We had a whole commission of inquiry with all these recommendations but the sense you get from the story that these families still don't really know what happened that day and who's no. to blame and who should be blamed and could this have been avoided? And then we had all these recommendations in the Farland Commission of Inquiry in terms of um, reforms for the police, um, and police and policing in general. Um, some of those have been implemented, but a lot of those recommendations haven't been implemented. There were recommendations that the NPA, again, um, take action against certain people, again we've spoken about the state of the NPA that hasn't happened mm. and so we keep every year reliving and, and these families are reliving what happened at Marikana 7 years ago and we don't really seem to come to any closure on the matter
3: yeah it's um yeah, you know when it happened in 2016 i was still Reuters i mean it, it conjured up, you know, memories of apartheid for those who were there yeah. in the 80s. So, I mean, you would think that, you know, as the government, as, as the, you know, the government that knows that kind of pain, they would, you know, they would move faster to make sure people are, uh, you know, get the truth and get what they, you know, <coughs> particularly follow and yeah. you know take on the recommendation of
2: the Falam Commission. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, call it a little bit, it was 2012 rather than 2016. Oh, so 2012, today. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, look, I mean I, don't, I mean, I wasn't even in the country at the time. I, mean, I just remember, America. by that time, South Africa wasn't really making international headlines, but this yeah. one definitely did, and it yeah. evoked you know, yeah. memories about Shabville and Soweto. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, it's basically our post-apartheid Shabville and Soweto, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, I, mean, it's, I mean, nobody could imagine that, not, yeah. as, you know, a post-apartheid government yeah. or a post-apartheid police force would be responsible for such a massacre of people. I mean, it's, still, it's just still a stain on the country, and, yeah. and the fact that people haven't had answers is totally, like, really unacceptable.
3: Right? Yeah, I guess Ramaphosa himself could mm-hmm. say, "Well, the FALM commission cleared cleared me," but you know, he was um, he was right there. He was um, he sent emails. He, there's no evidence uh, showing that he was responsible, and the commission cleared him. But um, the fact that he was the chairman of Min at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was actively talking to, um, yeah. you know, to the uh, to the mines minister at the time. I think it was Susan Shabangu, the police minister, Latim well. Tetua. Latim Tetua. I mean, to do something. What is mm-hmm. that something? And then this is this is the result. So it's a stain on him as well as.
1: Yeah, people as are still president. calling for him, and even in yes. the story, I see, for him to be held accountable for the messages he he sends. For well, the emails he sent to the police yeah. minister.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose we need to be, just be careful about I mean, that it's not the words and emails. They can also be yeah. twisted. Yeah. Like, in mean, one time here, yeah, like... It goes a long way from saying shoot 30 mm. and kill 30 people. Well, it was but take common yeah, sense yeah, you know, like, action. I remember there, there was like, I mean, I wasn't actually here at the time, I didn't follow the story that closely, but but there was like a conflict happening prior to that and people getting killed and intimidated. Yes. So mm-hmm. action could just mean stop the anarchy, stop the killing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean go and kill people. True. So I think, that that's, I think that's where sometimes this things yeah. get a bit emotive and people actually then... Yeah. most of what we're talking about Twitter and mm. half-truths and stuff yeah. that, 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 that become take a life of their own mm. you know, it's easy to take one line of email sorry, you wrote and then yeah. suddenly twist it in, to, to mean something totally different to what you meant
0: yeah. Yeah. let's move on to the, um, the, the NHI so uh, the, the, the bill was tabled in parliament um, last week but <clears> uh, I, I, there's a story in, in, in Business Day where it says uh, healthcare stocks lost about 14 billion rand in value that's some Three days of, of, of trading um, since, then. I think Discovery in particular was was hard, was hard hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what what's your your guys' sense on what's happening
3: there? Um, I think um, investors are a little bit nervous as to you know what it would mean, particularly mm-hmm. for the likes of Discovery, which has the biggest uh, health insurance. Um, um, unit in the country, so I mean, what could it mean? Could you know? Could the, could the government? Because the government has got a plan to have this centralised fund that would buy um, medical services from you know everyone, from Aspen to hospital groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what would be the place of Discovery, for example? Would it still be able to exist, or would their customer pool be? you know just the you know high you know a high net worth in individuals that can afford both the nhi and a private health insurance because for some for some people um you know if you've got one you know just even the small pool that it has um, some are forced by their companies i mean they would rather not have it mm-hmm. so yeah, so I think that's that's the main worry um, from investors as to what what the future
2: looks like for health mm. insurers. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of I mean, there's so many issues with this, this <coughs> issue, but. I think this is, a, this is a touch on some of them. But I mean, there's a, for example, the issue of how much, how can the country actually ever afford this? Mm. When, I mean, the numbers, they look, I can't remember the number, the largest number I looked, at, wasn't it something like two hundred billion, yes. four hundred billion a year or something? Yeah. And when we're... And then you look in the context of, of what now, like in terms of our fiscal situation, we're talking mm. about the budget deficit, ballooning out debt-to-deficit, Debt to GDP ratios We've ballooning. We promise free higher education. we're talking about like potential downgrades coming, mm. and suddenly have this big project coming up on top of it. And then remember, was also like, like on a day-to-day basis, people are just like picking up the newspapers. There's some other state institution that's not working. When somebody said to me this morning, we can't even run a TV like a TV station. So how are we actually gonna right. do this? Yeah. You know, I, see, <laughs> you know. Mm. I mean, when you think of all these things, from ESCOM to I mean, you name it, in the post office, there's so many things that aren't working, and we somehow are going to find money and time to do this gigantic project, but that other countries have done it maybe over generations. Mm.
1: But What's interesting is that it will only be fully implemented in seven years' time. Um, Some people think it's going to take longer. So there's all this hoopla about it, Mm -hmm. but nothing's going to happen anytime soon, actually, which brings back to the issue in... um, in this country about implementation we aren't very good at implementation so are we i don't know maybe you guys are we jumping the gun maybe a bit
2: i mean you can see people talking about take for example unemployment insurance fund Mm -hmm. i mean anecdotally you'll hear people saying like you know they aren't able to actually put claim money from the, or even put money into it because computers are not working. So, we, yeah. I mean, the because this is what it's going to be really. Mm. Like, you know, you take it like, up, but on a much, much, much bigger yeah, scale. Like a big fund, everything and, uh, goes into yeah. this yeah. pool. And, yeah. and, and, and now people have seen, obviously, you can see why there's there's, a, there's obviously this nervousness from an investor perspective, mm. not just purely on the impact on the companies. It mm. wasn't just an impact on the country as well, whole, it's just like another negative headline we probably didn't need at this, at this, at this point in our, in our, in our, in our, in our yeah. history, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I was just going to say so
3: philosophically, though. Um, so philosophically, it's a it's a noble idea, yes. yeah. um, And I think that you know, but it has to be implemented, you know, properly. And then I, yeah, as you say, Lukanyo, there's probably not much money left in the fiscals to be able to it, take this on. But it's 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 something that this
0: country probably <coughs> needs. Yeah. Um, um, just just to add on to yeah. what, what you're saying, sure. I'm, I'm looking at the story here in the in the FM. Um, where it says um, some um, senior government officials privately say that the reforms proposed in the bill are so ambitious, they're likely to be decades in, in, in the making. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think another important note here to point I mean, this does seem to be a very much ideologically driven process, right? Yeah. So it's not evidence driven. From, from what we've written, stories we broken on Business Day in terms of the pilot projects, they've been at best mixed. And the government seemingly is just ignoring any kind of like uh, warnings, either from their own pilot, pilot projects, and of course, I mean, if you raise your voice and say this is wrong, then, then know this you know there's this attitude. One of us are. Either you're with us or you're against us. Mm-hmm. So there's, there doesn't seem to be a willingness to listen. It's just like this ideologically driven, we're going to do this no matter what. Yeah. Almost like the Boris Johnson and Brexit kind of scenario. Yeah. So like we, 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 now. We, 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 <laughs> we're going to do it on October 31. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. The economy sinks. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, let's hit um, pause on that. Um, do join us again next week for another edition of Editing Aloud. Goodbye.